Hi everyone. How you going? Sorry about the lateness again yeah, between we, episodes. We just really can't get the handle on this. We are not adulting right now. Our life's just getting in the way, Booby. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we are. Um, this is a special episode. It'll be the first episode that I put on my main YouTube channel, Geeky Fibromar. So um, it's a test part of um, Vloggerween. Check it out wherever you get your YouTubes. Yep. And, um, but apart from that, it's per usual, it's available on all platforms that, um, all good podcasts are on and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, we've had a couple of big things happen with, we're now fostering five kittens. That's right. Which is fun. Yep. <laughs> Stormy <laughs> loves them. They're very, very cute, but they're also, uh, Excellent at hiding when they need to be confined for the night. Yes. When it's time to say goodnight, it is time for them to hide. Mm-hmm. So that's lots of fun. But we are back. It is late at night, as usual. Yeah. And we're ready in our, PJs, mm-hmm. in our PJs. In our PJs. Underneath a red blanket. Even though it's not that hot, uh, that cold at the moment, but it's cool enough in the, at night. That's it. And um, ready to talk some murder. Mm-hmm. Murder. Murder. Um, so tonight we're going to do the Claremont murders. Ooh, you've been hankering to do this. For I a have, while. I'll have, I have, <laughs> but I wanted to wait until um, Ad, um, Bradley Edwards' um, trial was over. Yeah. So I think it, I think it's Ed, I know his last name's Edwards. <laughs> yeah, Bradley, Bradley Edwards. Bradley Edwards. Um, yes. so I wanted to wait until his trial was over, and it was over at the end of September. So I heard little bits and pieces. So we, great can, we can do this now. Fantastic. Okay, so the Claremont murders are, was the name given to um, three murders in um, Perth, WA. Mm-hmm. Um, Perth again. Yes, it was um, they're in Claremont, which is a suburb, a, mm-hmm. quite a wealthy suburb of of Western Perth. Yes, one of the Tonia enclaves. Yeah, over in WA or Western Australia, if you're not. From around here. Um, so it involves the disappearances of um, one woman who is Sarah Spires and the killing of two others. Um, <coughs> they were all attending pubs in Claremont and disappeared after their night out. Mm. Um, they were all they all disappeared in similar circumstances, which led to the thought that there was a single seri- unidentified serial killer. Um, it, it is described, and it actually is that that state's biggest, longest running, and most expensive case. Mm. Um, what for young professionals? We will get to that. Nothing. I will not tell you about said suspect, except that his name was Bradley Edwards. Um. He uh, actually, I will tell you a little bit about it. He was um, arrested in 2016 um, and held on remand until his trial began in November last year in oh, 2019. Okay. And his trial finished in September of this year, 2020. So it was like a, a so we're dealing with like a very topical 10 month, case 10 month trial, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure that some of that is because of quarantine. Mm-hmm. Because even though his trial started in November 2006, 
2019, it says that it's only a seven-month trial. So about within about three months was due to quarantine. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but he was given a verdict on the 24th of September 2020. So we will get to that later. Very good. Um, so it all began with um, Sarah Spies' disappearance. And she disappeared on the 27th of January 1996. She was 18. And she had just left Club Bayview in the centre of Claremont at about ten uh, 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. So typical 18-year-old out. Out for a night, out of fun. Mm-hmm. She called a taxi from the phone booth nearby. Um, again, this was before cell phones were mainstream. And um, she was living in South Perth with her sister at the time, but she did request to be taken to Mosman Park, which is nearby. But I don't know why. Mm-hmm. No one really knows why she was requested to do that. She yeah. might just had a boyfriend. Maybe. So, she was then sighted waiting alone near the corner of Sterling Road and Sterling Highway, which was r- right near the night spots. Like it was like a main main drag near the night spots. Yeah. Um, by three eyewitnesses who also mentioned seeing an unidentified car stopping where she was waiting. She was not at the site when the responding taxi arrived at two nine nine past two. Sorry, and but. Could have been missed by the driver in the dark. Although it is a highway, so you would think that it was quite lit. Well lit up, yes. Yeah. Um, well illuminated, you would think that. Especially near a, uh, an entertainment Yeah. Like, just thinking street. back to, like, Newcastle and that, it's quite lighted where the taxis are and stuff. Exactly. Um, of course, it being Perth and, like, no major disappearances in that at the time, She gained, her disappearance gained major publicity. As it would. But no one knows where she is now. Her fate remains unknown. Nobody's been found. No nothing. No trace of her. Very sad. Um, the next one was on was about six months later on the 9th of June. Yeah. Um, again, um, in Claremont, uh, Jane Rimmer, who was 23, disappeared from the same part of Claremont. She'd been out. Um, I believe Sarah Spires was a receptionist, by the way, to the okay. young professional thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she was out socialising with friends, um, same as Spires was. They, uh, Rimmer's friends explained that they moved from the Ocean Bay Hotel to the Continental Hotel and then the Club Bayview, which is the same one that Sarah yeah. Spears disappeared yeah. from. Popular night Noting night. the long, li- long line at the club, though, her friends decided to catch a taxi home. Rimmer opted to stay, and she was last seen by security footage outside of the Continental at 12.04 a.m. 55 days later, on Saturday the 3rd of August 1996, her naked body was found 40 kilometres south of Perth in bushland near um, Wellard by a family picking wildflowers. That has got to suck. Wow, that would um, that'd, that'd scar you. That would... Mm. Definitely not leaving anytime soon. No. So. In a sad, degrading mm, way to, to go out. I think, um, if I remember correctly, Jane Rimmel was also like a young professional of some sort. She okay. was um, a receptionist or something like that. All right. Um, nine months later, in the early hours of Saturday, the 15th of March, 1997, Sierra Glennon, 
who was a 27-year-old lawyer from Mosman Park, which was a nearby suburb to Claremont. Yep, that's where Sarah Spies wanted to go. Um, also disappeared from the Claremont area. Like the others, she was with friends at the Continental and had decided to make her own way home, which not the brightest of moves. No, not the best. Especially when two other women have gone missing from the same area. Um, not the best plan of action. No. Uh, three men at a bus stop saw Glennon walking south along Sterling Highway at approximately 12.30 and observed her interacting with an unidentified light-coloured vehicle which had stopped by her. Nineteen days later, on the 3rd of April, her semi-clothed body was found by a bushwalker 40 kilometres north of Perth, mm. near a track in, in scrub off Pippadini Road in Edge, Eglinton. Please let me know if you if that is the wrong way to say that. There's a kind of pattern emerging here. A radius Not of really. plus kilometers. Uh, for the for the actual the abductions, yeah. yes. For the dumping, no. Mm. Because you'd think that like you had one dumping ground. Like eighty Ks, that's about an hour's drive. Indeed. An hour, hour and a half if you're going like through the city and no Hence bypasses the kind of that. just but the distance from Perth. No, the directions changed. Not really, no. Except for the except for yeah, it's forty k's either way. But from these three women, there's no pattern there. The only pattern is that it they were abducted from Claremont, so it's obviously somewhere that the offender is comfortable with, mm. either being far away from his home or close to his home. And I only say his because we do know it was a male. Um. So, um, yeah, that's really only the only really thing that um, you can get from that. Both discovered by uh, persons or groups of people out and um, enjoying uh, outdoor activities. Well, they were dumped in scrub, so, mm-hmm. or bushland. They were dumped in that, so really they're the only kind of people that would find them. Very much so. Um so, on to the investigation. Mm-hmm. So, within 48 hours of the disappearance of spies, the case was taken over by Major Crime Squad, which is typical. After the disappearance, the WA police set up a special task force called MACRO and to investigate the, the two cases because they were similar. And then, after the disappearance of Glennon, they confirmed that they were searching for a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And the WA government offered a $250,000 reward, which was the largest ever offered mm. in the state at that time. And quite a lot of a lot of money back then. It's quite a lot of money now. It still is right now, yes. Was MACRO an acronym? Uh, no. Okay. No, it was not an acronym. It was just the name that they chose. All right. For the task force. Um, initially, of course, suspicion was centred around the unidentified vehicle, because mm. it was seen at two of the abduction locations, and, um, on an unidentified man that was spotted on the security footage that, um, Rimmer was on. Mm. Um, then the suspicion was also focused on taxi drivers, because the women were last seen in circumstances that they may have used taxis, and we know for a fact that Spears did call a cab. Um, yeah, this includes the driver that claimed to have transported Spears the night before her disappearance. Um, a massive fingerprint and DNA testing exercise was carried out with thousands of the taxi drivers in WA and nothing came about. Given um, evidence of a number of unlicensed operators, um, 
the standards of um, examination were raised and 78 drivers with significant criminal history were de-licensed. Stricter standards were also applied to verifying that decommissioned taxis be stripped of all insignia and equipment. Um, in 2015, the um, investigators finally revealed that five was taken from Rimmer were identified as coming from a VS Series 1 Commodore, Holden Commodore. So that the reason why that took so long, I think, is because it, I think it would be pretty standard, the... the um, the fibers could have been used for many things and maybe they had to sort out stuff and wait for technology to advance to a point where they could make that identification. Because remember, a lot of this is when um, forensics was... And, and forensics still is in, in its infancy. Like, there is a lot more that forensics is going to be able to do in the future. But especially now in, in, in 1996, mm. 97, it was very much in its infancy. Um... Macro has gotten both praise and criticism for its handling case, and of course that was going to happen because mm. of um, the time it has taken. Um, like it's been twenty years. Yeah, twenty plus years. Um, twenty years to the year when they arrested Bradley Edwards. Mm. So, which is really weird because I have a friend called Bradley Edwards, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not this dude. Okay, not this dude. Um, Shout out to the uh, other Bradley, Bradley Edwards, Edwards. In, in the country. You are not being, no. yeah. <laughs> His <laughs> actual name is Bradley Robert Edwards. And again, they usually go with the three ne three names to stop misidentification like that. But Bradley Robert Edwards is also a pretty common name. So, um, But um, back to macro being, um, having both praise and criticism. Yes, because it took so long. Again, the technology just wasn't there. Um, the way that they handled the evidence for future testing should be should be noted. Um, it was um, DNA that got Bradley Robert Edwards, um, and just the fact that like DNA had to catch up. The technology had to catch up to get this guy. Um, at the peak of macro, there was a hundred members across um, ten teams. So to avoid leaks, strict confidentiality was protocols were implemented, and and the details of the nature of deaths and injuries were suppressed. We still don't know until they release the court documents from the trial. Mm. We still don't know what happened to the to the women. Um, all we know is how they were found. That they were found in a naked or semi-naked condition and basically all I've told you is what they've told us um, they haven't released the court documents yet as I said it was only settled on the 24th of September he hasn't been sentenced yet um, or anything like that so it's going to be a little while before we actually find out what happened to Jane and Sierra I'm not sure exactly if I want to know um, if they're keeping it suppressed um, like, they're not even saying they were strangled or this or that. The particulars could be quite... Shocking. Yes, graphic and distressing, but we will still be following Oh, yeah, I, I'll be following this anyway. I was 14 when this happened, and so I was only four years younger than Jessica, and so when this occurred, 
um, there was this big thing, even on the East Coast, like this is on the West Coast, we're on the East Coast, mm-hmm. even on the East Coast, there was this thing about parents making sure that young women were, were with a partner when they go walking, that kind of thing. Um, my parents not so much, but um, I didn't really leave home that much, but um, due to family issues. But um, when I did go, they made sure I was with a cousin or a friend or mm. whatever. I just don't like, I don't like people. I never have, really. I prefer books. Uh, but we enjoy interacting with people yes. through the wonders of I just don't like groups of people, like at shopping centres and stuff like that. I have good friends and that's fine, but I don't need feel the need to go shopping for fun or anything like that. That's what I meant. There's something to be said for being more introverted. Yeah, I'm an introvert most of the time. <laughs> um, get me drunk and that's another thing. Um, but, um, yeah, so that was all suppressed. Still don't know. Um, one of the tactics of macro that was very controversial were questionnaires that were given to um, 110 people of interest or persons mm. of interest. Um, and another one was its reliance on imported lie detectors and foreign technicians, like foreign experts, rather than um, Australian experts. But again, there isn't a lot of us. There really isn't. I'm learning right now, doing my graduate diploma of forensics. I have to do it through Florida. Mm-hmm. It's I get my certificate from the University of Canberra, but our teachers are teaching through Florida from Canberra. Yes, the University of Florida, so you're a gator. I am a gator, but there isn't enough here. Mm. Um, there's just not enough, and especially ones that are trained in specific things like lie detection and stuff like that, just, I don't, it's just not there. And it wasn't, especially at that time. Well, it's getting the, better, but it's not there. A lot of the formative formative technologies and practices developed overseas, so you would uh, expect that until we catch, we up. catch up, there's going to be uh, more uh, more experts, more more manpower overseas. Mm. And I forgot to say, one of the reasons why the questionnaires were so controversial is because one of the questions were, are you the killer? Okay. Who the hell would answer yes? Seriously. The, that seems ridiculous to mm-hmm. me. Uh, can you... I wonder what some of the answers would have been. They must have run the gamut. Probably. Yeah. I'm just thinking, I have in mind now all the smart ass, the smart alecky. Uh, yeah, sure, I put my hand up. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> um, another controversial, um, another controversial tactic they used was one that Americans have used quite often and is actually sensationalized in the movie Silence of the Lambs. They asked another serial killer. In this case, they asked David Burning who was another WA serial killer, worked in the same state. Bernie did have an accomplice, though, his wife. And we will be discussing Bernie and Catherine, uh, David and Catherine Bernie later, maybe even next week. Um, if you want me to do the Bernies, if you want us to do the Bernies, comment down below. Or send us an email, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Please communicate. Let us know in some form or another. 
Um, but they're really interesting, and I do. I'm studying Catherine Burney for my book, so. Um, so they are, they offered him. Um, they they asked him to help. Um, so it was very. Um, they tried everything. These are a bunch of cops that I don't know what their experiences are, but I don't think there are a lot of triple murders or triple abductions or whatever you want to call them, serial killers in general, operating in Perth. Okay? So I don't think they were very um, seasoned in investigating things like this, and I think that maybe they were just trying everything they damn well could. Now, don't get me wrong, I will tell cop- I will tell you if I think cops did the wrong thing, and they probably did in quite a few things, including asking if you are the murderer. But I think they were desperate and trying. Um, trying to find a procedure that would work. Yeah, they were trying to find the person that did this so they couldn't do it again. Mm. And that has to be acknowledged. They were doing their job and they were trying to do it to the best of their abilities. Yes, they didn't do it right all the time, but I'm sorry, does anyone? And I know that a lot of people are on the police at the moment, and with good reason. So don't think I'm a, a police, yay, cops. I just realised that it is a tough job, and I realise that they are probably doing the best that they can. I don't agree with other cops doing other things that have been done in the media, but we will not get into that now. Um, it was also, um, criticism was also on the overly narrow focus of the initial suspects, which... Um, is a diff- bit different. Um, that is them having a focus despite evidence, which is a criticism and a valid criticism. They went after people that um, didn't fit the profile. They went after people that didn't fit the circumstances, had alibis, that kind of thing. That's not cool. Mm, maybe trying to settle old scores or something. Definitely maybe not cool. have no idea. Have no idea about that settling of old scores, but that was not cool because it was going against the evidence they had. Um, over the lifetime of Macro, it had eleven police reviews, including one in two thousand and four by Paul Schram. Now, Paul Schram is a very hard, uh, is a very thought of officer, especially highly regarded. Highly regarded, thank you. That's right. Officer, especially in South Australia, because he was in charge of the Snowtown investigation. Mm. And again, if you'd like me to do this, like us to do the Snowtown, sorry, I keep saying me because I know this video is going up on, <laughs> uh, on Geeky Fibre Mama. If you want us to do the Snowtown right. investigation, comment down below as well. Please or do. Or contact us in some way. We will get to do it. Just if you comment, it'll happen faster. You do tend to... Um... Well, for one thing, you do have a script, but you do, do tend to speak more than I do. But I chime in where appropriate. Chime in. Chime away. <laughs> I like questions. That's why you're here. Thank you very much. <laughs> do you know if there was any um, racial profiling in the... Uh... We are going to get to profiling in a minute. Okay. This is just focusing on macro at the moment and what how that happened. No problem. Now, macro was wound down at, in September 2015, so 10 years before the suspect was was um, arrested 11 years and the investigation was moved to the special crime squad so the whole task force shut down and got given to the special crime squad which is fine yep so 
to the profile. Um, the suspect was probably a single white male, aged 25 to 35, who had a residence in the area, which is what I said. Yes. <laughs> I'm smart. Um, who appeared trustworthy, was organised, social, and probably well-educated. Um, local sex workers were also questioned to signs of unusual behaviour in clients. Now, the reason why profilers say probably is they can't say definitely. They can only say, he's probably this, he's probably that. And the reason for that is, many times a profile has been done, and this has been done more in the States than here, where they've said, it's this person, it's this profile, and they haven't made it, like, say that it's, he said here that it's 25 to 35. They haven't made it, the age gap bigger than that, and they've missed suspects. The same as height, if you say approximately this height, they don't go over or under that too much, and it, and they miss suspects. So and now slip through the cracks. Yeah. So now there's quite a large margin of error now. So say twenty five to thirty five, they would probably look at people eighteen to fifty. Don't quote me on that, but you know what I mean. There's a much larger, but um, mm. margin of error. But their focus kind of is there in large that sample. in that twenty five to thirty five area. Now, the reason also why that is said is because the majority of male population is between 25 and 35. Hmm. Did you know that? I thought it was definitely um, somewhere from the early 20s through to the uh, through to the late 30s, but mm-hmm. okay, I didn't know it was that. Yeah, it's about there. The, the majority of males are. Okay. It's also that age that the majority of males are coming out of being stupid like bar brawls and shit like that. Because of the brain developing. Because of the brain fully developing and going into different types of violence. Um, So in 98, um, a public servant from Coddeslow, Lance Williams, 41, was identified police as a prime suspect. As his behaviour attracted their attention, driving around after midnight, circling the Claremont area up to 30 times during a decoy operation. Suspected... To a high, subjected to a high level of secure surveillance and police pressure over several years, he continued maintaining innocence. And after interviewing six times at length, police declared in late 2008. So for 10 years, ten years, this guy was dogged by the police, saying, you did this, you did this, you did this. And he's saying, no, 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 I didn't. Um, and then he was declared no longer a person of interest, and he died in 2018. So, again, that could have some criticism for the police. Um, there, there are these are a lot of these are some of the guys that were suspected, um, including Bradley Murdoch, who, if you watched our or listened to our podcast episode on Peter Falconio, you would know who that is because he killed him. Um. But he was in a custodial sentence from November 95 to February 97, so he couldn't have done it. Mm. And then in October 2006, it was also announced that Mark Dixie was a prime suspect in the killings and that Macro had requested DNA samples. However, WA Police Deputy Commissioner Murray Lampard was later quoted as saying Dixie was closely investigated at the time and eventually ruled out. So, um, so by the end of 2008, mm. 
um, they were stuffed. They didn't know yeah. what was going on. And then on 22nd of December 2016, Bradley Robert Edwards was arrested at his Qdale house in relation to the deaths of both Rimmer and Glennon. According to ABC News, he is believed to have no previous link to the case. Now, that is untrue because when they were doing the unidentified, going through all the unidentified cars, his name was left off in error. So he could possibly have been caught early. Possibly. Maybe. That's a bit of a stuff up. It is, but it can, oh, come on, though. No. People stuff but. up in these cases all the time. Look at Jeffrey Dahmer and the runaway kid. Mm-hmm. He got eaten. Yep. Look, there's errors in bureaucracy, whether it's yep. inside law enforcement. It is very it. unfortunate that his name was left off in error, but... Oversight. Yeah. Unfortunately, errors do happen. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it was the actual guy that did it. Yep. I keep giving away the ending. You really do, but, like, that's all right. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that there's quite a few people who know the particulars, but they, they, they flock to our, our podcast because, you know, they love our engaging personality. And, and we're cool. And we're cool and how we present the data. <laughs> we're not cool. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're nerds, so if, if nerdish equals cool, then... We're helpful. Yeah, no, we're not. <laughs> um, we're, we're, we're two people in their 30s, me pushing 40, who sit at home at night and talk about people dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the next day, Edwards was charged with both murders, and he was also charged in relation to two other alleged attacks, a house, and, uh, house break and enter, and unlawful detention of an 18-year-old woman in Huntingdale in 88, and the unlawful detention and two counts of aggravated sexual penetration without consent of a 17-year-old girl in Claremont uh, in 95. So a year before the, mm. the abduction started, he raped a girl who was about the same age as Sarah Spies. So on the 22nd of February 2018, one day after my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, Edwards was also charged with the willful murder of the third victim, Spires. In all, Edwards was charged with eight offences, and on the 21st of October 2019, he pleaded guilty to the five non-murder charges. So, he, he pled guilty to um, the rape and the house break and enter and the unlawful detention and stuff, but he didn't plead guilty to the murders. murders. Um, his trial began on the 25th of November, 2019. Um, during the court, during the trial, the court was told that the two victims were, had defensive wounds and Edward's DNA was found under Glennon's fingernails, although the defense argued that this evidence was contaminated. Now, yes, DNA contamination does occur. Mm-hmm. It, it, it truly does. But... As far as I know, his case wasn't, his DNA wasn't anywhere near the DNA from Glennon. He wasn't under investigation for any of it. There was none of his sample there. Mm. So how could it have been contaminated with his DNA? Sounds fishy. That's my question. Because normally you have to have DNA there to contaminate DNA. Mm. So... You have to be in close boxes. Yeah, DNA contamination usually occurs 
when a um, analyst makes a mistake or there's a hole in a glove or the, the um, surfaces haven't been sterilized properly and stuff like that. And so you find the DNA of the analysis. As far as I know, Bradley Edwards is not a DNA technician. Or danger to uh, uh, damage. Apologies to any 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 vessel or or, or, or container or, or anything that's being used during the analysis. Yes. Yes. To yes, and and if you they weren't collected correctly, to contain the DNA. That kind of thing. But for now, I don't know what percentage of certainty they had. Mm-hmm. What the degradation was of the DNA or anything like that. But for them to say that it's him. It has to be pretty damn close. Like, it has to be, like, 99.9% match. Because otherwise they wouldn't be able to say it. It's him without any other corroborating evidence. Yeah. Um, and it was under her fingernails. So, explain that bit. Mm. Um, one of the main pieces of evidence in the trial, though, was the total work vehicles. I hate that word. Never spell it. <laughs> um, Edwards was working as a technician at the time for Telstra, and he actually worked there for a very long time. I think it was his one and only job. Okay, was Telstra, um, and it was claimed that he used company vehicles after hours to execute the crimes. And now this is corroborated by the witnesses, a by a witness, a security guard who recalled seeing um, a telecom van, which is what Telstra was back then. Mm. It was called Telecom. Um, parked on multiple occasions at the Karakata Cemetery for no apparent reason. Now, if I remember correctly, the Karakata Cemetery was where he raped the girl. So, um, and and it was and it, that vehicle was there before and after Spire's disappearance. Yeah. Um. According to the prosecutor, Carmel Barbagallo, the state presented this evidence as part of a case called Telstra Living Witness Project, where between 1995 and 97, a man with a Telstra station wagon stopped to look after women and offer them rights. Sounds. Uh, uh. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, but why? Sounds a bit suspect. A little bit. But that was a prosecutor, so... During the trial, Brandon Gray, a witness from the group of men dubbed Burger Boys, I'm gathering that's the guys from the bus stop that saw Glennon and walking. Yeah. Identified a Series 1 VS Commodore station wagon as cruising past them shortly after Glennon and walked past. Thank you, Sylvia. You, you do have a great, great memory. It's great. Mm -hmm. The vehicle had distinctive teardrop hubcaps, which were present on some Series 1 VS Commodore... Commodores, um, and between ninety six April ninety six and December ninety eight, Edwards drove a white uh, VS station wagon with Telstra logos. So it is stacking up against him, especially mm -hmm. with the DNA. But that is all circumstantial, mm -hmm. except the DNA. Da, 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 At this point, yes, da 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 da, da evidence. <laughs> uh, I like that. That was good. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Um, the vehicle was tracked down and impounded on the same day as he was arrested. During the hearing, it was revealed that fibers matching the carpet in the rear of Edward's vehicle matched fibers on the bodies of both Rimmer and Glennon. Although defense argued these fibers could have come from another source or another vehicle that were not included in the WA crime base, that is true. It could have, if could have been, but also corroborating evidence, although on its own is circumstantial. But enough circumstantial evidence with the DNA hopefully could get the conviction. Um, now, the trial was concluded on the 25th of June 2020 after seven months of hearings and evidence from more than 200 witnesses. So, no, it didn't get shut down because of quarantine. Okay. Um, the presiding judge, Justice Stephen Hall, then retired to consider his verdict, flagging that it may potentially be handed down before. Rem- Edward's remand in custody ends on the 24th of September 2020. On that day, he handed, Hall handed down a 619-page written verdict. Within, wow. Yep. Within which Edwards was found guilty of the murders of Rimmer and Glennon, but not of Spires, although it was more than likely that Edwards was involved in her disappearance than not. Now, the reason why he was not done for... Spies' murder is the fact that they couldn't find her body. Yeah, that would be a big... It's a massively hard thing to try a murder without a body. Mm. Although it has been done, it's very difficult. And so, um, yeah, so he was not... He hasn't been sentenced yet, as I said. Um, But he is guilty of two murders and of five non-murdery charges, including rape and... Um, law for detention. So basically, abduction. Um, it has been suggested by journalist Liam Bartlett that Spires was not the first victim. He wrote that police have told the father of a fourth missing victim, 22-year-old Julie Cutler, that his daughter was probably the victim of the Claremont killer. Cutler was a university student from Fremantle and banished after leaving a staff function at the Parmelia Hilton Hotel in Perth at 9pm on the 20th of June, 1998. And that's the same year that he um, did the break and enter and unlawful detention as well. Her car was found in the surf near the near the Goyne at Cottesloe Beach two days later, and her fate remains unknown. Other possible cases include that of Lisa Brown, 19, a sex worker who disappeared on the 10th of November, uh, 1998, and Sarah McMahon, 20, who disappeared on the 8th of November, 2000. So there's three more women that could have been victims of Bradley Edwards, but we don't know because they either haven't been found or they haven't been found. Yeah. (laughs) So, One of the two. Yes. So what do you think of that? I've been chatting for ages, but I had a lot of information to get through. You certainly did. <laughs> um, that's quite an engrossing case. Um, if you remember, I did an assignment on them. Yes, I do remember. I think you got top marks for that assignment. Sorry, I just punched your leg a little bit too hard. <laughs> yes. I didn't feel it. I got chubbed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that sounds so wrong when you take it out of context, my darling. True that. <laughs> but okay. Props. I definitely can see this uh, case being turned into a mini-series or a film down the down the track. 
if it hasn't already been the inspiration. It's, I think it's been inspiration for some. I'm not sure if there's actually been one. I'm, I'm not sure about WA, but I, I haven't seen one here over on the East Coast. But I may be wrong. If I am, comment down below. And uh, also, please comment down below uh, if uh, you uh, can recommend any good pieces of uh, literature on this case. I was going to ask you, Sue, what would be your recommendations for further consultation and research? Um, WA Today on newspaper has a really good four-part um, article series done by Heather McNeil, I think. I got a yeah. lot of information from her. Um, in she did a four-part article series on the case. Um, that was really good. Also, there are a couple of podcasts around, not this one, but a couple of others around that do the yeah, Claremont murders. Yes, I remember you listening to one ages ago. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, as as more information comes out, especially in regards to um, something that would have maybe been more um, circumstantial evidence to back up would be if the causes of death were similar. So if um, if that is released and um, we get an update on that, we'll we'll do an update in our podcasts in the future. Um, because that if, if the de if the if the modus operandi of the killers in both Jane Rimmer and Sierra Glennon's murders are similar, that will back up the case that they were both done by the same person. Especially if there's a signature, because the signature is. Um, something that the killer does that is not necessarily to kill them. So, say, they tie a knot a certain way, or hmm. that's not necessary for them to be killed, to have them not tied that certain way. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay. Little signature. Um, signatures or movements. Or... Yeah, a lot of murderers have them. Yeah, or ticks. And also, some murderers actually have one, and then they'll evolve and change their MO, modus operandi, um, but also change their signature as well, mm. which makes it very difficult to catch them. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking that, um, well, Macro may have uh, taken quite a while, quite a long time with their investigations, but at least... Um, well, Macro didn't found... find them. Special Crime Squad did. Yeah, but the, the investigation started by Macro well, and then finished by, Macro, by yeah. the Special Crime Squad. Yeah. yeah, they would have had a butt ton of evidence like mm. and, and, and files to go through the Special mm -hmm. Crime Squad. And 200 witnesses were called for the uh, the trial that ended this year. Mm -hmm. 619 pages. I've heard of um, of arguments and 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 verdicts and commentaries and and, and that's whatnot. a massive verdict. but that is still a massive that have been written that have been ha published handed down by by judges by legal professionals that's a, that's, like a, that's a novel but that's a novel yeah wow and he wrote that in like three months man yeah if he's a writer and writes out novels that fast he'd wreck a fucking fortune absolutely i wonder <laughs> I wonder if come it's on, come on. Here you go. on public record. <laughs> <laughs> Shush your face. I just got that. I'll get there still. I'm trying you know to find. I know. I'm just trying to carve out time like you are yeah. with uh, with study and also being a parent and, and, and all that stuff. Yeah. What I was going to say before you interrupted, 
I wonder if that 619-page uh, verdict uh, is in the in the public record. It won't be until after the sentencing. Right. Yes. Uh, available to be uh, perused. And then okay, I'm not sure. And then I'm not sure if there's like a period of uh, like a period between the trial and public release. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Um, like uh, you have to wait a certain time for the release of information or whatever. Yeah, a uh, embargo. Yeah, and and I don't know if it can be um, released while he's still doing appeals or anything like that. Yeah. So, oh yeah, appeals. Yeah, see, I'm I I don't know the legal mumbo jumbo with that. I leave that to the lawyers. Hmm. I do my job, and they do theirs. And never the twain shall meet. Oh no. Two of my in-laws are That's right. His brother and sister are lawyers. Yes. So I don't have nothing against lawyers. lawyers. I just don't know their job. And they don't know my job. <laughs> I was joking beforehand. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, so I'm not sure what legal stuff has to be done before the release of information, though. It'd be a very... I assume it would be a pretty delicate process. There'd be a lot of uh, procedures and protocols observed. Yeah, and as... As with all legal matters. As I said, I don't know if it can be released before his appeals are, mm. are exhausted or not. So, I don't know. I think a good um, moral from this tale. That we don't can, kill people? Um, yes, don't kill people. But also, stay in groups. Stay with your friends. Um, don't um, go off by, your, by yourself or... I'm trying to finish the thought. Don't kill people, man. Yeah, definitely don't kill, kill I think, people. I think that's becoming like our little catchphrase. Don't kill people. Don't change plans. Um, like, wise up whether you want to, like, stay when the rest of your friends are going. And don't kill people. Yeah, don't kill people. Don't I've kill gone people. out by myself before and it's fine, but don't can, kill people. Just, yeah. Just don't do it. It's not cool. Punch a pillow. Yes. Scream into a pillow. Punch a pillow. Get a sex toy and stab it. Wow, that just got dark a little bit. <laughs> like, if these people... Chop some wood. If yeah. These, yeah, chop wood. Do something violent that isn't going to hurt someone. Go get a tattoo. Punch Piercing. a boxing bag. Yeah, yeah punch a boxing bag. Mm-hmm. There are so many other things to do than kill people. That's very true. Yeah. So we're gonna go watch Netflix. Um, <laughs> watch forensic files on Netflix. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Listen to this podcast actually, I, or watch this podcast. Yeah, I actually watch Forensic Files a lot. I think good. I'm on my third round of watching them on Netflix. But I also have the excuse that it's my job. Watch something new, Steel. <laughs> okay. That's true. <laughs> We're going to go and actually yes. watch The Crown while I edit. So. Yeah. This is getting <laughs> yeah, a bit weird a, now. <laughs> it is a little bit. All right, guys. All I right. hope you have a great week. Thank you for tuning in. Don't kill people. Please and don't murder. We'll see you next time. Yes, see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>